Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and my dear sisters, is anyone else as tired as I am? <laughs> and I don't even mean physically exhausted, though that can certainly enter into it. I'm feeling that myself today. I just mean tired of this world, tired of life here. And maybe that's a bad sign for me because statistically speaking, I'm probably only about halfway through my journey. Uh, but it's tough, right? I mean, for starters, we are, we are bombarded with reminders that maybe make us each feel a little like Elijah once felt, the, the last true believer in the nation. Everyone else seems to have forgotten God. If they're not spouting some sort of lies or conspiracy theories and hatred, then they're just promoting agendas that are clearly contrary to what God wants. And that's, that's not something to get angry at in return. It's, it's saddening. Because they need the love, they need the healing that Jesus has to offer, and it just doesn't seem like anyone wants it anymore. They want us to be, to be quiet and leave them alone. And of course, our own lives suffer as a result of sin in the world, whether it's directly because someone makes a choice against you or, or simply as a course of the corruption that sin brings in our world, strife touches our own lives. It can be strained relationships. It can be abuse from someone else. It can be just the indifference of strangers, financial struggles, and the constant inconvenience of the fact that just nothing lasts. Stuff breaks down, it needs attention, and we have to fix it or replace it. We're all struggling, it seems, to just get to that baseline where everything's working fine so we can breathe for a minute. Some days it feels like we're never going to get there again. And you add into that that, again, with sin in this world, our own bodies can't be trusted. They are corrupted by sin, they are mortal, and they betray us. They break down and, and leave us suffering and course more and more as we tend to get older and it can't always be fixed and sometimes trying to fix it loops us back around to that that first problem of how broken the world is by just trying to deal with our healthcare system of course none of that none of that is quite so bad as the struggles that we deal with within our own failures because as, as Christian believers, we love our God. We want to do the things our God asks because we love him. But we wake up every day with purpose in our minds, trying to do the good he wants of us. And I don't know about you, I can't quite make it to the shower before I mess up again. The burden of our own sin and the burden of our, our daily repeated failures maybe hangs on us heaviest of all. It's, it's exhausting. Now, surprisingly, I did not come here to depress you today. I didn't come here to list all the grievances in the world or in our nation that we need to go out and fix tomorrow. That's not the point. The point here is to acknowledge the struggle, 
to know that it is real and, and be aware of everywhere it does hit us. And then, by God's power, to face those days with courage, to face them with hope and with optimism and his strength. How do we do that? Well, let's start by going through the first half of our reading today, which is from 2 Corinthians 5. St. Paul writes, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, to be cl- but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Pause there. That's just the first half of our reading for today. And so Paul here, and and really God through Paul, that wasn't really an inspiring speech, maybe. (laughs) He he does little to challenge the outlook of of life that we just talked about. He basically affirms what he said about living here. He, He calls our earthly bodies a tent. Now, a tent can serve you for a while, but it's It's not where you want to make a permanent home. If any of us actually lived in a tent, we'd no doubt uh, jump at the opportunity to, to live in an actual house with four proper walls and a roof. And he, he uses other words to describe how we're feeling that, again, I don't know about you, but they, they resonate with me. He, said, he says, we groan, we long for, we're burdened. We don't want to be found naked. We want to be clothed. Those are the same kind of feelings I get when I I think about all the stuff I talked about at the start here. The point is that God is not unaware of what living here is like. He's a very clear picture of what living here is like. He knows exactly the effect that that sin has on this world, on the people, on your lives, and even on your bodies. But he doesn't just say to us, yeah, that's, that's really terrible. Instead, each one of the things that he says to us here carries hope as well. It gives us a reason to carry on despite the struggle. Reason to take a deep breath and endure because we know the truth about our eternal dwelling that this life this tent that we live in right now it's not going to last because it's not meant to last but when it fails us we have something better we have an eternal home a building made by God, crafted to perfection. And and Paul is especially talking about our bodies themselves, in general, our lives as a whole, but our bodies especially. Because as we get older, as 
things start to fail, we need to remember this is not meant to last forever. And it doesn't have to because we have the promise of a new body, a glorified body, one that never wears out, never gets tired, never fails, and is always perfect. But more than that, we know God's promise of eternal dwelling goes beyond just a nice new body. It's not the body that just gets replaced in the end. It's the whole world. We have heaven itself to look forward to. Heaven where there's, there's no more of this conflict, no more ignorance, no more sickness, and most importantly, no more sin that causes all of those things. A time when all the things that try to torment us every day are done away with. And instead, peace, harmony, and joy is ours for eternity. So that is something we want, and it's, it's not where we're at right now. We, we do groan for that. We long for that, but we don't do it in despair. We don't lament without hope. Rather, we endure because we know what's coming. And God has given us right now what we need to continue on that journey to the eternity. In fact, Paul wrote here, he said, God has prepared us for this purpose. And he has given to us the Spirit as a down payment on that future. That down payment of the Spirit, that is where our hope and comfort comes from. And how do you know that you have the Spirit? My friends, it's not some magic feeling that you have. And it's not the ability to do some kind of sign. That you have the Spirit is just based on fact. The promise of God tells us if you are baptized, you have the Spirit. It tells us if you can say Jesus is Lord, then you have the Spirit. Because the Spirit is the only thing that enables you to do that. The Spirit produces faith in you. And that faith lets you say Jesus is Lord. And Jesus, as your Lord, has saved you. In a very... A very real way, we all stand before God unclothed with everything laid bare. Everything we are, everything we have done, he can see. And when we think about everything we are and everything we have done, I think we would all much rather be covered. Jesus is that covering. Jesus provides that covering. He lived a perfect life. And he gives that life to you as that covering. The deeds that would really earn you death are instead covered by his life. And everything that we did wrong, all the punishment, all the penalty for that was taken to his cross where he endured that for you. It's paid for. All the wrong is gone. All the good is yours. And that's our hope. 
that's what we have now. This world, this life, it's, it's not great, but it's only temporary. We have the promise of an eternal rest, eternal reprieve when this is over. And we have God's investment on that promise right now. Our sins are already forgiven. That perfect life already covers us, and the Spirit has already been given to us to give us confidence in that hope. And it's in the truth of that hope that we know that that our reading continues. Uh, Picking up at verse 6, St. Paul continues writing, Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's a very inspiring section of Scripture, but when I read it a second time, uh, Paul speaks with some absolutes that, that make me wince a little. And let me explain that. Uh, he, says, he says, always confident. We walk by faith, not by sight. We would prefer to be away from the body. We make it our goal to please him. You know, I'd like to be that way all the time. But I think looking at that and thinking about myself, it really brings to light our biggest issue, our biggest struggle with living through the problems that are here. The biggest issue is we don't always do those things. Because despite everything I talked about at the start, despite how tired we get sometimes, despite the troubles of this world, it's not always bad, is it? I mean, there's plenty of good and and there's plenty of even great moments. There's good times with family and friends. There's, There's quality entertainment. There's relaxing or exciting vacations, whichever your preference is. There's, there's jobs that can be, be rewarding. There's, there's fun toys to be had. There's, there's moments of wonder and joy and imagination. God is good and he is kind and he, he doesn't just leave us to suffer here constantly or to suffer needlessly. He's gracious like that. But the struggle comes kind of like we talked about last week when we become attached to these temporary kindnesses of God instead of keeping our eyes on that eternal dwelling. Last week we talked about how we shouldn't be feeding ourselves with just the food of this world, but we want that bread of life that that causes us to live forever. And more than just getting attached to the stuff of this world, this is more a a warning to to even not get attached to just this world, this life. To make a, a, a little more literal the metaphor that Paul is giving us, it's, it's like when we do that, it's like we're trying to spruce up the tent. We're trying to make that a permanent home. 
And if we're trying to make the tent our permanent home, we're going to react differently when problems come, aren't we? I'll give you an example. It's all well and good to, to sit comfortably in a tent on a fine early summer afternoon before it's 90 degrees every day. To sit there with the sun shining and a, a breeze blowing gently and, and just enjoy it. But then maybe a, a storm passes. Maybe a, a fallen tree branch leaves a big tear in the tent wall. How do you handle that? It's going to depend on your perspective. If you're just using the tent to, to get by for the weekend until you go back home, well, you patch it up as best you can with what you have. Maybe, maybe you sew it closed, maybe some duct tape, maybe some staples, whatever you got on hand. And worst case, worst case, you can't fix it and you get wet a few nights, but you can deal with it because it's not forever. But if that tent is your home, well, you're not going to be satisfied until that patch is fixed, until it's exactly back of the way it was. That tear is going to take up all your spare time and all your attention until it is back exactly how it was before or as near as you can get it. You see the difference. And the thing is, God is the one who allows the branches to fall. God is the one who allows the troubles in this life. He lets the tent tear sometimes, but he does it for a purpose. He does it to remind us this is temporary, that we don't belong here. And our hope, our focus is on our eternal dwelling. Sometimes we learn the wrong lesson. Sometimes we, we like our life when it's at status quo, and, and so difficulties become problems to fix until we can get back at that, that even level where everything is okay and we try to keep it there. And sometimes then obsession with, with fixing our things or our relationships or our bodies, it, it becomes an all-consuming task, taking more and more time and resources than it should. And even worse, when you can't fix it, what do you have left but despair if this is all there is? Don't go down that path, friends. Keep your eyes fixed on your eternal dwelling and don't get obsessed with the tent. If it tears, rips, the poles break, the lining wears out, you get holes in the netting, whatever, it's okay. It's not permanent. You're not staying here. You have a permanent home. You have a permanent home in heaven, promised and guaranteed to you by the Spirit's deposit. Now, I don't want you to go too far in the wrong direction, right? So don't mistake me. I'm not suggesting that you ignore every problem that comes into your life. There's a lot of them you're going to have to deal with. What I am saying is as you face those problems, keep this eternal perspective in mind. 
you don't need things to be absolutely perfect here because they're not. They won't be. And so you don't need to spend all your time obsessing over that, over making this life a paradise. And if there's something that in the end you just can't fix, that is okay. Because it's temporary. The eternal dwelling that Jesus won for you is coming. You just have to hold out until it gets here. God is with you while you do that. And in the meantime, as we're set free from the need to make things perfect here, we can instead do what Paul talks about. We can make it our goal to please God by doing his work. We're not doing that to make God happy with us. We're not trying to earn his favor or make ourselves more saved. But we do that because that's what the Spirit in us wants to do. And we can do because we don't have to be endlessly distracted by minutia in this life. We're going to talk some more about that next week. In the meantime, brothers and sisters, I know that being here is not altogether pleasant. At times we feel that longing. We want to move on to paradise. We know what's coming. But for now, we have forgiveness. And we will appear before God as holy in the end. We know that our troubles are temporary no matter what they are. We have an eternal dwelling to look forward to because of Jesus. And with our eyes on that each and every day, we can face those days with confidence and with God's strength, ready to do the good work that God lays before us. Amen. Please stand. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.